0: If divorced by her husband for desertion or adultery, his was allowable, not hers, she was entitled to absolutely nothing but a sewing machine. Colonial Australia was no place for a nervous woman. Only the strong survived. In 1849, young Mary McConnell was one of the first women to migrate to Brisbane, then a shabby frontier town. After Mary's baby son died of typhoid, she worked hard to raise the money to found the first children's hospitals in the north of Australia. Mary's present-day equivalent is the remarkable Dr Catherine Hamlin from Sydney, who, in 1974, founded a hospital for fistula women in Ethiopia, and runs literacy programs for those patients unable to read or write. Annette Kellerman, born in Marrickville of migrant parents, grew up in poverty, broke international swimming records, and achieved stardom on Hollywood's silent screen. Nellie Melba had to fight with her father to be allowed to sing on concert platforms, made more money from the stock market than from her golden voice, married and divorced, then fell in love with the heir to the French throne, but could never marry him. Melba had a good business brain and acted as her own manager and publicity agent. Having felt initially exploited, she was one of the first women in the world to market her own talents to maximum effect. By the 1890s, the British Married Women's Property Act enabled married women to inherit or earn money in their own right. This was later incorporated into various state laws, for those who had money to inherit or could find suitable work. Yet with or without this assistance, women so often rose creatively to meet their circumstances or challenge the male-dominated institutions that defined them so narrowly. Pioneering women were far too often the unsung heroines. In the colonial and Federation eras, Marriage was the only career available to the majority of women. Both church and state regarded sex on demand as a husband's right. Women were constantly reminded that Australia needed populating and it was their duty to have children. In the colonial era, any woman not married by 20 was deemed to be on the shelf and a great many girls married when they were still in their teens. Stories in this book reveal how Alice Joyce, mother of pianist Eileen Joyce, married at twelve, and Enid Burnell, the future Dame Enid Lyons, married Australia's future Prime Minister, Joseph Lyons, on her seventeenth birthday. This was a period when young women could not travel around unchaperoned, and were expected to cover their knees and ankles at all times, as the sight of a well-turned ankle might inflame the passions of men. Women in Australia's cities were even forced to swim at specific hours or in segregated pools. In 1907, Annette Kellerman risked a jail sentence by cutting the knee-length skirt off her bathing costume when trying to break a long-distance swimming record thus asserting women's rights to wear suitable clothes for sport. In ancient Greece, women were routinely stoned to death if found inside the sports arenas where the Olympic Games took place. When Baron de Coubertin revived the Olympic Games in Europe in the late 19th century, he allowed women to watch but did not permit them to compete. He quaintly believed women should not be allowed to perspire in public. In 1908, the Baron finally relented and allowed women to compete but only in the archery competition. At the 1912 Stockholm Olympics, women were permitted to compete in swimming events for the first time and, against overwhelming odds, Australia's determined Fanny Durack won Olympic gold a major landmark for women in sport. This audiobook tells the story of women who demanded something different from the restricted lives of their mothers and grandmothers. It becomes apparent that gaining the right to vote as a spin-off from Federation did not change women's lives nearly as much...